we're working on Faith Walkers 2. <laughs> 2006, we worked through a, a few Faith Walkers. We looked at the 11th chapter of Hebrews, the he- Halls of Faith, and then determined that we'd look at a few examples of Faith Walkers and see if we could learn some things from their uh, experiences. And we actually only got five covered that year. We did Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Daniel and Peter. Uh, we picked some pretty big ones, but we spent a little time on each of them. Uh, this year we hope to work in a few more minor characters perhaps, but we're going to start with a really major character. going to start with David. Uh, David is the only man or woman or anybody in the Bible uh, that is called someone after God's own heart. And that's two times, and one in the old and one in the new. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, it says, The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. And in Acts 13, 22, in uh, Stephen's sermon, he repeated that. He said after he was telling the history, and he said after removing Saul, uh, God made David their king. And he testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. A pretty good recommendation there for our first character of faith this year. Uh, Jehovah God himself said he's a man after my own heart. He'll do what I want him to do. Uh, David was quite accomplished in many things, and I put a few little facts down here for you. He was a poet, wrote a lot of the Psalms, uh, was a musician, was a warrior, statesman, a loyal friend to Jonathan and others. Uh, But he was also far from perfect, and we've found that out uh, with other Bible characters of faith. Uh, In fact, all the ones we've looked at have had some flaws, uh, have had problems in life and some ups and downs. But we're looking at, uh, that teaches us something about faith walking too, I think. Uh, One interesting fact I found looking over some things about David was how much of the Bible is about David. Uh, put some other characters down there. Abraham, who's the father of the faithful, has 14 chapters uh, written about him, his life story. Joseph's got 14. Jacob has 11. Elijah has 10. And David has 66. Uh, that's a lot of chapters. That's a lot of the Bible written about one character. Uh, on top of that, he's mentioned 59 times in the New Testament. Uh, quite a character we are tackling Tonight, obviously, we're not going to cover his whole life in one or two uh, lessons. We'll take quite a few probably to work on David, uh, and we'll kind of go through it chronologically. Tonight, we I entitled this one uh, Shepherd Training. We're going to take just the first part of his life uh, while he was a shepherd, and then we'll get to Goliath and a few other things later. But tonight, just the shepherd training. And we can get almost everything we need in 1 Samuel 16. So that's our text tonight. Uh, Before we read Samuel 16 and work through it and discuss it a little bit, we've got to understand the story of Saul first. Uh, Saul was Israel's first king. God didn't want them to have a king, but they wanted a king. And if you go back in uh, chapter 8 of 1 Samuel... You can learn a few things about that. Uh, Down at the very end of chapter 8, Samuel tried to convince them that they shouldn't have a king, that it would get them in trouble. 
but verse 19, it said, the people refused to listen to Samuel. This is 1 Samuel 8, if you're looking for it. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. That was what the people wanted. They wanted a king. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, all right, listen to them and give them a king. I don't know if he said it with that tone or not, but that's kind of <laughs> how I envision it. Okay, if they got to have one, we'll give them one. And... He picked Saul. Now, God picked him, but I think the people had a lot to do with that. And I think if God was watching them, you read the next chapter there, uh, chapter 9, uh, you see that in verse 1, uh, talks about Saul. Verse 2, uh, he had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any of the others. So Saul was tall. He was impressive. Uh, everybody looked up to him, both literally and otherwise, uh, and the people thought well of him. God sent him into the city, and everybody looked, and they liked him, and so God said, all right, we'll appoint Saul. Uh, while we're looking here, let's turn to chapter 15 and look at a couple of things about Saul. Verse 10 says, the word of the Lord came to Samuel, I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Okay? So Saul started out okay, but then he turned away. Uh, in fact, in verse 17, uh, we find out how he started out. Verse Samuel said to Saul, although you were once small in your own eyes... Did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? And if you go back to chapter 9 and look, when Samuel first approached Saul and told him, you're going to be king, Saul was amazed. He said, me? I'm not able to be king. So he was very humble at the start. Then he got to be king, and he got to thinking he was king. Uh, he didn't remember who the true king was. So when it gets down to chapter 15, we're in the middle of a mess Saul's been sent to do something. He was told to defeat the Amalekites. He was told to completely destroy them. He didn't. The people said, ah, let's take a few of the flocks and let's keep the king alive and let's do a few other things. And Saul said, okay, even though God had told him to do different. Uh, kind of like this morning, instead of listening to what thus saith the Lord, uh, he listened to the people. He listened to his own emotions. He listened to his own reason. And he said, well, I thought this would be okay. And he argues with Samuel about it. Read chapter 15 there and you'll get the, the whole story. But because of that, Samuel had to tell him, all right, God's had it. He, God's going to take his spirit away from you. You're not going to be king anymore. He's already found somebody else. And Saul gets rejected because of that. So that leads us up to chapter 16. Uh, where David was selected. David's a shepherd boy at this time. Um, let's just go through chapter 16 and see what it says. Uh, the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Now, it broke Samuel up. He wanted Saul to be successful. He hated to have to tell him that he wasn't going to be king anymore. So the Lord said, 
Quit mourning for him. we got business here. Uh, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. Go to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. So Saul's already noted for his craziness. Um, Samuel was afraid of him. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Remember, Samuel had just hacked Agag to pieces. Samuel had a reputation. (laughs) They were a little afraid of him. Uh, But he said, no, come in peace. Uh, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, this is him. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Eliab must have been a pretty impressive looking guy. Uh, But the Lord said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance or his height. I've rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Obviously, that's a very famous verse. Then Jesse called Abinadab, had him pass in front of Samuel. Samuel said, the Lord's not chosen this one either. Then Shammah passed. Samuel said, no, not this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord's not chosen these. Are either of these all the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Okay. That tells us a little bit about the esteem that David was held in. Uh, Jesse was told to bring his sons to the sacrifice, and he didn't even invite David. Okay. So he said, yeah, I got one more, but he's out taking care of the sheep. Uh Samuel said, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. Samuel figured this out. You know, if it's one of the sons of Jesse, and I've already gone through the first seven, I'm betting on this guy. So we're not going to even sit down. The king's coming. So he said, send for him. We'll not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy or red appearing with a fine appearance and handsome features. The Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now, the rest of the story is that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. That would be a great topic for a lesson, but we don't have time for it. Uh, So this evil spirit that God allowed or actually sent Uh, from Satan, was bothering Saul. And Saul's attendants said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. So Saul said, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I've seen a son of Jesse who knows how to play the harp. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well. He's a fine-looking man, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them to his son, with his son David to Saul. David came to Saul and entered his service. Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. 
Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp and play. Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. All right, all of this happens before David really gets famous with Goliath and all the other things that happen. So this is the the shepherd period. In fact, we'll find out later that even when he's playing for Saul, he's still shepherding. So all of this is when he's a young man still shepherding the sheep, taking care of them. All right, now what can we learn from this one chapter in the story of David? Uh, I think an important part is to consider what God's looking for. What is he looking for in a faith walker? And I realize he's picking a king here, but what's he looking for in us? Uh, We're royalty. Uh, We're priests. We're we're all the royal nation. So what's he looking for in us? And if we read 16.7, he says he's not looking at the outward appearance. He's looking at the heart. So we've got to learn something from that. He's looking at our heart. What... In the heart, is he really looking for? And what is the heart? Let's talk about that first. We don't use that term very much today. The Bible uses it a lot, and it's pretty much the whole man, the whole person. The Bible talks about your heart when it's talking about your will or your intellect or your desires or your emotions. Just all of you. He looks at the inner person, what you're really like. So that's what God looks for is the heart. Now, let's read a passage from the New Testament that might help us understand that a little better. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, you remember what the Corinthians' problem was. We studied that a few years ago on Sunday night. The, the Corinthians' problem was that they loved man's wisdom. They looked up to men who were really smart and knew philosophy and knew all sorts of things and could reason well and all that seemed real smart to them. So when Paul starts the book of 1 Corinthians, he says to them, uh, verse 26, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Okay, What's God looking for? It's not just the physical appearance that he's not interested in. He's not interested in anything that man thinks is cool. Wise, influential, rich, and you name them. God doesn't care about that. In fact, he purposefully chooses the opposite of those to show what he can do. So what do you do when you want a king? Take a shepherd boy. Well, it doesn't make sense to us. You want a king, you go to somebody that's been to the best schools and 
well-connected and rich family and on and on and on. Not God. He goes to the, the fields, picks a shepherd. That's what he's looking for. Confounds the wise with some of his picks. Okay, now if he's looking at the heart, what heart characteristics please God? And that's obviously a discussion question that we can't answer fully tonight. Uh, but I'm going to try to throw a few things like that in here where you guys can talk about them later. And if you're in a small group or something somewhere, you can ask yourself some of these questions. Uh, what heart characteristics is God looking for? He's not interested in appearance, height, beauty, handsomeness, uh, connections, wealth, any of that. Looking at the heart, what's he looking for? Discuss that with somebody on the way home tonight. Uh, I would hope you would think of some of the biggies like humility. That's what he picked when he picked Saul, but Saul turned. Saul got the big head. Uh, how about integrity? A pretty good heart characteristic. Faithfulness. I think faithfulness is one of the the greatest characteristics somebody can have. And we're going to see more about that later as we go through David's training here. A spirituality, a spiritual person. The opposite of a carnal person. Somebody that only thinks about this world versus somebody that thinks about spiritual things. Those are all heart characteristics. And we assume from the rest of David's life that he probably scored pretty high on all of those. But you can add to that list, besides humility and integrity and faithfulness and <clears throat> spirituality, what do you think in the heart God values? All right. Now, let's spend just a little time, and this could be a whole other sermon too, but let's think about how David was trained. Because even though this shepherd thing is the opposite of king thing to us, it was his training. Uh, so... How was David trained? Well, he was alone. He was the only guy out there. The other brothers weren't helping. He was alone. He was unknown. Shepherds don't get very famous, actually. Uh, nobody knew he was out there except the sheep, I guess. It was menial, monotonous work. He did have problems. I gave you a reference over in 17. Uh, verse 34 and 5, when David told Saul about the time the bear came and the lion came and he had to kill them to save his sheep, uh, he did battle a few problems out there as a shepherd. Now, the other thing he got trained in was at the end of chapter 16, he got moved to the palace. He was still a shepherd, but he got to spend time in the palace. So he got to see how the king operated, got to see what went on in kingship, and the people got to see him. He was an armor bearer for Saul. So a lot of places Saul went, uh, David made an appearance also. So he got trained by all of that. But most of it was absolutely not the way we'd think of training. He wasn't an intern to the king like we would <laughs> think of having an intern train. He was out in the field. Well, what's the lesson from that? Well, how's he training you? Well, what's he got you doing? There's a lot of that alone, unknown, menial, monotonous stuff in this old world, isn't there? 
Well, maybe you're being trained. may not seem like it to you. may not seem like this is very much fun at all. Uh, and some people don't like that. They, they think they're ready for the limelight. They think they're ready for the big time. Well, you've got to go through that menial stuff and handle the little problems and all of that to get you ready for something bigger. Now, this isn't, this isn't just about church. Uh, this is about the real world. Faith walking happens in the real world. I don't know what your job is, but probably more of you are in the alone, unknown, menial, monotonous <laughs> than you are in the limelight. where you're supposed to be right now. God's training you for something. And, and I think that's a lesson for us as we walk by faith is to do serve where we are at the present time. I remember the young man that I had when I worked in the business world, He and I, I hadn't noticed him. He was a very talented young man, and I thought, that kid can be a supervisor someday. He just had that ability and worked well with people and all of that. And he was in his probably mid-twenties somewhere. And I thought, yeah, some, some year he'll, he'll have enough experience. He'd make a good supervisor. Well, he came in and saw me one day. And he said, what do you see as my future here? And I said, well, you've you got a future here if you work at it and keep doing the things you're doing and all that. He said, well, you think I can be a supervisor? I said, yeah, I think you can be a supervisor. He said, can you promise me that I'll be a supervisor within a year? I said, no. No, can't do that. He said, well, I've got another job offer that pays more money, and if there's something immediate here, I'd stay here, but if you can't promise me that, I'm going to go somewhere else. And I bid him goodbye. But because he had the potential, but he wasn't trained yet. He hadn't done enough of the, the, the stuff you got to do and handle enough of the problems at that level to be where he wanted to be. He could be there someday, but he wasn't ready yet. He didn't see it that way. He thought, I'm ready now. Well, he needed to serve a little longer in the position he was in. Uh, and that's part of our lessons, I think, that we learn as we walk by faith. All right, let's go to the back page here and look at... Some faith walking in the text. I picked out a few of them. You can probably pick out more if you got time. But the first one's in the first four verses there. Samuel walked by faith. I know we're talking about David. But look at Samuel. Uh, the Lord said, How long will you mourn for Saul? Fill your horn with oil. Be on your way. Go to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. All right. What did Samuel do? He argued with God. He questioned God. He said, whoa, I, I don't think I can do that. You know, Saul's on a rampage. And if he knows I'm going out looking for a new king, he'll kill me. And God answered him and said, well, just go do this. You are to anoint the one I indicate. Now look at verse 4. Samuel did what the Lord said. Okay, reinforces what I was talking about this morning. Samuel didn't feel like it. Samuel was scared to death. Samuel reasoned this isn't a good thing to do. But when God told him to do it, Samuel, after he questioned him, 
He did it. God's faith walking. It doesn't always make sense. It seems scary. But you walk by faith. Okay. Verse 11, Samuel again. I already mentioned this one a little bit. Uh, he asked Jesse, are all these the sons you have? And he said, yeah, they're still the youngest, but he's tending the sheep. And Samuel said, send him. We'll not sit down till he arrives. He trusted God that the future king was there. He had gone through all the things that looked right to him. Eliab looked like king material. Abinadab looked like pretty good king material. And on down the list. And we've run out of kids, but well, there is one little shepherd boy left. Well, that's got to be it. God said it was a son of Jesse. So he trusted him. He said, we won't sit down. That's, that's walking by faith. I mean, how would you feel? You go to some guy's house. And his son's supposed to be king. And you say, is that all? Well, I got one more, but he's not king material. He's a shepherd. Well, Samuel trusted. God told me he's here. That's him. All right, David in verse 19. Key verse here. Interesting. Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son David who is with the sheep. Now, it doesn't make sense until you put the story in perspective. What had already happened to David? He'd been anointed king. Samuel had pulled him out, said, you are going to be king of Israel, and poured oil on him and said, Jehovah has picked you. What did David do after that event? Back to the sheep field. Back to take care of the sheep. Yeah. Oh, that kid I was telling you about, what if I'd have told him that day in my office, I said, yeah, I'll make you a supervisor. Uh, I guarantee you, you're going to be a supervisor. He'd gone back out into area, his area. How would he have operated? Doubt if that would have turned out very well. Yeah. But David knew he was going to be king. Went right back to taking care of the sheep. Right back to the unknown, alone, menial, monotonous. Just do what you got to do. Faith walker stuff there. Down to 17, chapter 17. and This is David and Goliath's story we'll get to next week. But look at verse 15. Okay, David's been anointed king. And he's been picked by the king to work in the palace. He's right next to the king, living in the palace part-time, but that's only part-time. Verse 15, David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. How's that for faith walking? Kid's been anointed king. The king of Israel loves him. He enjoys having him around. He's got all the perks of the palace. But when Saul doesn't need him, and I imagine he could have stayed there, just lazed around, but he's not. I'll go back and take care of the sheep if you don't need me playing the harp today. Back and forth, tending the sheep, doing the king stuff. Yeah. Faith walking, still taking care of the menial, monotonous stuff. God's going to take care of this. He told me I'd be king. I'll let him handle the timing. 
He'd got me in the palace, but I've got a job of ten sheep. I'll go do that. A lot of faith walking in this text. All right, some questions for us to think about. Apply this stuff. If you look at just David's training as a shepherd, you learn anything about your faith walk? And these, again, are questions you can work on a whole lot longer than we've got to briefly discuss them. And let me just say, as we, before we go through these five little questions here, uh, young people especially ought to pay attention to this part. Okay? When David's king, it might be a little hard to identify with that. David's a shepherd boy. Now, we don't know exactly how old he was, but he was young. He's a young kid, still working as a shepherd. So some of this may apply. And I know young people tend to worry about the big stuff. You know, who am I going to marry? You know, who's God want me to marry? What's God's will for me? You know, what school should I go to? What career should I have? All of those kind of things. Think about these questions as we go through them. Lessons pattern for your faith walk. All right, first one that I picked out was daily faithfulness in small things prepares me for God's purposes. Working with sheep doesn't seem like real good king training, but it was fine with God. Took care of that, daily faithful, took care of the sheep. Uh, Do what we've been given to do. However menial it seems. And that's tough for a lot of people in this old life. We, we want something high and mighty and, and in the limelight and all of that. That may not be what he's got for us right now. I've talked to people who were unemployed and, you know, they got laid off and they had a good job or something and they say they can't find a job. Well, there's lots of jobs out there. And I say, well, what are you looking for? Well, I'm looking for something, you know, like I'm used to. Well, it may not be what you got right now. <laughs> I always advise them. I say, just go go to a temp agency and get a job at any place, no matter what it pays. Get in the door and do that job well, and somebody will notice you. You know, just do what you've been given to do well, and somebody will pay attention. You, you'll move. I've moved people up like that. I've hired people from temp agencies that I moved up quick because this guy's talented. This guy can do good stuff. Instead of sitting around saying, "I want to be way up here," start somewhere. Do what you've been given. That's what David did. Anointed king, working in the palace, still happy to do the daily faithfulness of taking care of the sheep. Second one I thought of dealing with my current problems. Prepares me for bigger ones. And we don't like problems. We would be much happier if we didn't have any problems. But wherever you are, whatever level you're at, if you're a teenager and you got problems, you got to learn to deal with those so you can deal with the bigger ones. Okay? David had to deal with the bear and the lion, which are pretty big problems, I'll admit. But he had to deal with them, so he was ready for, to deal with Goliath. If he hadn't have dealt with them, if he hadn't have seen how God helped him through that, he might have been afraid of Goliath. But he wasn't. 
at whatever level you're at, you got to handle those problems. When I first started with General Electric Company out of college, I was on a training program, and they'd move us every six months to a new job, and they gave us a maximum of one week overlap with the guy that we were replacing. And at the time, I thought, man, that isn't fair. You know, I'm with this guy for a week, and I can't learn hardly anything. And all of a sudden, he's gone, and now i got to do the job. You know, I don't know the people. I don't know all the problems. I, I'm not ready. They ought to give us a lot longer overlap. Gee, you did what they knew they were doing. You get thrown into the midst of a problem. You've got to learn. You've got to be able to deal with people. You've got to be able to figure out what the problems are. You've got to come up with solutions instead of somebody else telling you. And they sorted out people that couldn't do that. You get thrown into problems, and if you handle them at whatever level you've been given, then you're ready for bigger ones. Later in life, I got thrown into problems and took over areas or new jobs or something that I was prepared for. I wasn't afraid of it. I've been thrown into bigger messes than this. I'll figure this one out. If I hadn't had to do that, I wouldn't have been ready. So David dealt with the current problems. He was ready for the, the really big ones. Third one, questioning God is natural, but obedience is still required. Samuel discussed this with God. He said, hey, hold on now. Saul will kill me if he finds out this. Are you sure you want me to go see Jesse? Yes, I want you to go see Jesse. Okay, I'll go. The, the questioning is okay. And some of you that were here in 2006, hopefully, remember, that was the, one of the biggest lessons we got out of Faith Walkers 1, is everybody we studied questioned God. Especially Moses. After we did that, we spent a whole year on Moses one Sunday night, one year. And remember how many times he questioned God? Remember how many times he got mad at God? He said, what have you got me into this time? That was okay. You still do what God tells you. But the questioning, the, the, the arguing, the, the getting a little mad is it's okay. It's part of faith walking. Fourth one. God's plans are often simple, so I should be open to his leading. What did David have to do? Take care of the sheep. I'm getting you ready to be king, so you take care of the sheep. What was the next assignment? Play the harp. Okay? That'd be hard for me, but it was easy for David. Very simple. Just play the harp. That's getting me ready. Just play the harp, David. I'm getting you ready to be the king. Now, go back and tend the sheep, David. Well, that's simple. I know how to tend the sheep. That's going to get me ready to go tend the sheep. Yeah, seems all pretty simple, doesn't it? But he was getting him ready to be king. That's the direction he was leading him, even though it didn't seem like it to him. Okay. What's this got to do with faith walking? Okay. I got, as I was going through here and thinking of examples, I kept thinking of work examples, and I thought, well, man, I ought to come up with a few church examples. 
And then I thought, there's only a few of us that live in the church world all the time. You know, me and Toby and Mark, we, we sit around here in the church world all day. Everybody else is out in the real world. That's where, the, that's where your faith walk is. It's got to do with your job and your family and your sicknesses and the problems that go on. That's where the faith walk is. So, so that's what you learn these things for. God's plans are pretty simple sometimes. You just go where he leads you. Faith walking is in the real world. And he'll work it out. Remember, he, he works in our daily life. He wants us to have an abundant life. I've been talking a lot about my GE days tonight, so I'll just tell you one more. I got through with this training program, which was a two-year thing, and actually, when you'd been through that training program at GE, you were, you were pretty hot stuff. And you were pretty well looked up to. You were, you were somebody that was hypos, they called it, high potential. You were going to get some big jobs someday. Well, when you got off of it, most of the guys that got off the program expected to be a manager or something pretty quick. Well, I took my first real job once I got off the training program, and I'd been in it a few months, and they came in, and they said, we're looking for somebody to go out and be a foreman in one of the areas. The supervisor in that area, is, I can't remember what happened to him, get sick or something, but he was going to be off for a long time, and they wanted somebody to fill in and be a first-line supervisor. The other guys that had been through the program I'd been through said, I'm not going to do that. You know, I've been trained for better than that. I'm not going to do that. I said, I'll do it. If you really need somebody, I'll go try that for a while, if that'll help. That completely changed my career at that plant. I mean, I got out there, I met people, uh, I handled problems, I did things I'd have never got to do in the office I was in, and I met higher-ups that got to know me and said, hey, this kid can handle problems. It came around a, a manager job over that area, and I was like 27, I think, and nobody that young ever got a job like that, but they gave it to me. Now, how did God get that job for me? You know, I didn't do it. The promotions come from God, the Bible says. Read the psalm. Promotions come from God. So, so how did he get me that job? I did what simply laid before me. I, I just did faithfully what I was supposed to do. Okay. His plans are pretty simple. You just do what you're supposed to do. Faith walking. Last one. God's plans are often surprising, so I should be ready for his opportunities. David was a shepherd. What was the opportunity? King. <laughs> Doesn't seem right, but that was the opportunity. So David just did the shepherd job, did the harp job. He was ready for the opportunity when it came. Uh, Probably a little lesson in there. Sometimes people don't want to try something new. Maybe a new opportunity, big opportunity. At work, at church, wherever, you may think, 
I can't do that. You may think that's beneath me. You may think that's over me. That's too hard for me or whatever. It may be surprising. Well, look at it as an opportunity. We've got some things around here that we need done and got pretty big jobs. And we sometimes ask people, would you consider doing this? And I've been told, oh, no, I, I could never do that. Well, I wouldn't ask you if I didn't think you could do it. You know, I think you could do it. Well, I, I, I just couldn't. And some of them try it and some of them don't. Consider things as an opportunity. God's plans are often surprising. All right, enough of David's shepherd training. Next week we'll get to him fighting the giants and a few other things. So the lesson is yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you. Any way publicly that you need anything, come to the front. I'll be up here. Let's stand and sing.